As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to Front and Nationwide. This is the Athletics Dedicated Blue Jackets Podcast. Aaron Ports on with you in Edmonton, making my way here to Vancouver today. Uh, Allison Lucan is back in Columbus. Say hello, Allison. Hello, everyone. As is Tom Reed. Good morning. Yeah, and the blue, oh my God, I can't imagine the Blue Jackets had a good morning. I, my guess is they collectively... Or at least, or individually, I should say, rolled over and thought, "God, did that really happen last night?" Because that was an atrocious display. Um, they lose four to one to the Edmonton Oilers, a game that the Blue Jackets. I mean, wow! With uh, with all that's at stake, with the loss to start this trip in Calgary, to have a performance like that, I just can't get my arms around. You guys watched it uh, back in Columbus. Um, uh, you saw what I wrote today, probably, the people listening to this. Uh, what did you guys think of this, and were you as gobsmacked as, as I was? Not that they've not had games like this before, but it's all about time and place and, and situations. Um, what were your thoughts on, on this uh, half-hearted effort from the Blue Jackets last night against the Oilers? Tommy, you want to take that one? Um, they just looked to, to me as a team that has – no confidence in the offensive end. Uh, they, I think sometimes when you're indecisive and you lack confidence, it looks like you lack effort. Um, I think if it was an effort issue, it would have certainly showed up at the other end of the ice. But all of their problems, and I mean all of their problems, were in the offensive zone last night. And that includes the three third-period goals, which were all 
turnovers against the top line. One was a block shot. I don't know even what that was on a four on two, but let's just start with that play. Yes. I mean, that play sums up the game. You have yes. four on two. You have the puck with your best goal scorer has the puck. And I don't even know if the guy should get credit for a block shot. He just happened to be standing just there. in the way. And yeah. He was just, I don't, I'm, I'm, again, Torrello says this all the time. I, I don't know. I still not convinced if it wasn't like a slap pass to the guy cutting to the net. I don't know what it was. Um, you know, Torrello often says, we don't, you know, I don't know. I don't know what those guys are thinking because I'm not a player. So I'm going to say the same thing. But I just the, the absolute one thing you couldn't do there was get the shot blocked because you have four guys roaring to the net. Turnover against their dangerous line in the net. Two more turnovers in the net for one, but just nothing offensively. I, I didn't, you know, did they even get a rebound opportunity? I think they're. I think that the last seven games that or the last six games they've had seven power play opportunities. Just well, not. They're just not getting it done on the offensive end for me. Yeah, and here's what like for me, it's like I I, I do put effort and a lack of effort last night because I get it if if you play a game like you did in Calgary. I thought they played pretty good. Four posts, whatever, five, whatever. There's a million excuses to make there, but they went hard and they played hard. There were no rebounds last night. That's an effort thing. That's not getting to the place. That's not that's not a player's shot off and um, you know, just just not getting breaks offensively. There's something missing there uh, in, in the approach. How many scrums and skirmishes were there? They didn't have to puck a ton. Did you see any significant hit? Adam McQuaid had a couple. Other than that, you know, it looked like a, it looked like a, as as Jody Shelley likes to call it a hot chocolate skate at the zoo. It didn't look like a team desperate at all to 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 win a hockey game, Allison. <laughs> yeah, um, and and to speak to the points you guys already made. I mean, there was one rebound created and that was by Boone Jenner and there was one attempt off of a rebound and that was by Adam McQuaid the entire game from the Jackets and you know and and everybody better be sitting down because I'm usually your numbers person but I was floored I mean we you know I just wrote yesterday on and and I get it I do understand that particularly when things aren't going well people react they miss all the shots you know everything bad always happens to this team Right 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 I I get that but I would have taken a million missed shots last night I would have taken honestly a ton of block shots there was just nothing and yeah. when you have first and foremost coming into this game this is a game that this team should have wanted to ha- make a statement in and avenge, if you will, that beating that they took at Nationwide Arena. Right. And to have such a slow, slow start. And then, even more disconcerting, that third period, you're tied. For all intents and purposes, whether it was good or bad, you're tied. And you have 20 minutes to finish this thing off. And you come out and you you are outshot. You are outchanced. The Oilers had nine attempts in the dangerous areas nine the jackets had two and we're talking the entire game uh, just in the third period okay. coming in even uh yeah. but on the game it was nine for the jackets 13 for the oilers but think about that they had nine of 13 ch- chances the oilers in that dangerous zones in the third yeah. period i mean yeah. 
Well, they, 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 they turn the puck over in just terrible positions. I mean, the, you, I'm just explaining why Edmonton got the great scoring chances. You just can't turn the puck over from the top of the circles to the blue line. They did it three times, three times in the back of the net. And, and it just, to me, that when, you, when you're talking about rebounds and stuff, that means a lot of times you have to first get the puck to an area of promise to shoot. I don't remember seeing that. And I understand, Aaron, what you're saying about effort. But a lot of times effort means going to the net for rebounds and stuff like that, right? But, but first of all, you have to get in a decent chance, this decent area to shoot the puck. They weren't, they weren't anywhere near that. But that's what I'm saying, Tom, is if you look at, let's just look at shots. I don't care where they were from. They were outshot. They were outshot oh, in the third, coming in even. What, what Look at ch- chances. They, they actually drew even in the third period. But when it came to really pushing and getting to the dangerous areas, 9-2 to two is just egregious. And I, I just, I've spent the whole morning honestly contemplating this because I, I hear and I understand the motivation behind comments of, it's a coach's job to get their team ready, but, but these are also professional athletes who are internally driven and proud as they Wait. should be, and, and how this happened is just a mystery to me. I don't understand. This is, is, isn't this the exact same team that played its ass off on Saturday night in Boston with no rest, yes. having played like four games in six nights? Yes. So, yeah. I, 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 I have a hard time. I think we got sometimes have to be very careful when you use, talk about effort. Um, they're, they're, why would there not necessarily be effort? Uh, again, I think effort shows more defensively. I, I'll give you an example. In the game the other night against Calgary, when uh, Michael Frolik walked right around Seth Jones, I'm not putting that necessarily all on Seth Jones. I'm putting that on Artemi Panarin deciding he's not going to back check. It just leaves all kinds of space open. There's no back pressure. That's effort. I didn't necessarily see... A huge lock. I, I just see a team that m- mentally right now, they can't score. I would tear the first line apart because it's not working. And it's killing you right now. I, I, think it's, I, I still don't think it's as much effort as it is frustration and just not being able to... What, what do they have? Three, do they have three goals in the first three games of this road trip? Am I, am I wrong on that? Uh, they have three goals. In the, uh, well, no, they, had, they Boston, scored. Boston. They have yeah, four okay. goals in three games. Okay. Okay. I mean, when you're talking about, I think most of us that have played some sports will tell you that it's easier to play offense than it is defense. Um, they don't create any power plays. Six, seven power plays in the last six games. I, yeah, I just, again, power, I, power plays is effort, though, is it not? Did they outskate the Oilers last night? I'm not talking about high end skill and. And Dangle, I'm talking going hard to the net. That's effort. Yeah. And it was it's not there. I don't, you don't have to the puck doesn't have to be at the net for you to go there. They weren't there. Like that that's the stuff. Like and I don't buy this. I, I bought it for, for a while. They looked panicked. They looked nervous as hell after the trade deadline. But I don't buy that anymore. Because you can't look too nervous to play against New Jersey and then play your ass off against Pittsburgh. You can't be playing your ass off in Boston. And then too panicked to play against Edmonton on the road. That's a dead building against a team that has given up. Oh, I don't think it's panic. I don't. I, I don't think it's panic. Okay, so what's the very what, what's what's come and gone here since the trade deadline? The confidence. I just think their offensive confidence. Uh, their best player is is 
is bread, is Panarin. He has one goal in 16 games. Is that right? Okay, I think that, he has one goal in six. That's topic number two here. Okay, um, I'm sorry. I don't mean to no, jump no, that's fine. Let's just go right into it. Where the hell's Artemi Panarin? Hey, this is a totally different player. And and I, it's a weird situation because every, there are a lot of people saying, oh, clearly he wanted to be traded at the at the trade deadline. I don't think he did. I really don't think he wanted no, to. No, that would have shown up beforehand, wouldn't it? But I don't think he wanted to be traded February 25th. I think he wanted to finish it, finish it out here. But that guy has totally disappeared from what he was the first season and three-fourths as a Blue Jacket, a competitive guy, a puck hound, um, just a really effective player both ends of the ice. Where the hell is he? Who wants that one? Tom. <laughs> <laughs> you started it. <laughs> I just oh, – I, yeah, it's just again. I don't think he has. He's like everybody on that first line. They just don't seem to play. Have any confidence? Yeah, I just. You watching that game last night? I just never thought they were going to score again. I just. It's really when they got the first goal. I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I don't know how they're going to score again. That first line to me, that uh, Tortorella. Don't forget, and, and people were touting this, and I agreed with it. It was one of the best lines in the league for a good stretch of this year. Yeah. They should take it apart. It's just not working. They but, should they should try something, something different. I don't know what it is, but and another guy who just seems lost to me because and again Nick Foligno is out because of family issues. But Boone Jenner now is just he he after going off that line with with Anderson and um, Foligno says to me I don't see much of him anymore. When you talk about effort, that that line, the identity line. Remember, you were writing about this about a week or two ago. I just don't see it. But again, I not go. But I mean, we, that's where we we have to look at why these lines were working. And and let's start with that top line. I mean, we I wrote on that earlier this this year. And right, wrong, or indifferent, that line. Not to take anything away from the talent of those players but a lot of their success was coming from finish. They weren't necessarily doing things with their two-way game compared to other quote-unquote top lines in the league. And, and this is where that drop in shooting percentage is biting this team in the ass. And, you know, look, look at Boone Jenner. If you're on a line where you don't have guys who can finish, I mean, Boone is not a super skilled guy, and that's not to take anything away from the player, but... You know, when he doesn't have someone who can finish with him, he's going to look like he's flailing too. I mean, the the makeup of the players on these lines matters too. And so when one has a slump or a weakness exposed, if you will, the lines are breaking down. Oh, I, I agree with you. I completely agree with you on, on, the, on that, that point about Jenner, having guys around him. But let's go back to your guys' effort issue. The key play of the game last night, where was the breakdown in effort in Cam Atkinson shooting the puck into the shin pads? That was a uh, great no break- chance. There's no breakdown there. I would, I would suggest there's a breakdown on the other end of the ice. So is that the two-on-one that McDavid fed Cashin? Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. When you get, well, when now, you get to that bear, point. Bear with me. It, the first rule of a guy getting back on a two-on-one, first of all, I, I don't know that there's a huge amount of effort getting back from the rest of the guys. But you have to take away the pass. And I know it's Connor McDavid. It's also Seth Jones, Norris Trophy candidate. 
future Norris Trophy winner. You got to take away the past. If you're the goaltender, Yunus Corposalo, you're damn right you're cheating. You're cheating Absolutely. On, on McDavid's side. That pass cannot get over to Cassian. It's a goal if it does. And that's what happened. That cannot happen. And Seth Jones has been, I mean, fantastic most of this year. We were talking last night. I think he's going to win a Norris Trophy based on this year. And this was before that play. You can't, I can't, I can't in good conscience vote for him for the Norris Trophy this year. I don't think he's been there. I think he'll get it eventually, but not this year. But that's a play that has to be made in a crucial moment. Maybe they still score there. Maybe if he's positioned differently, Connor McDavid scores. To me, you tip your cap to Connor McDavid on that one. But for that pass to get over right there, it's another crucial breakdown. Uh, and, and not an effort breakdown necessarily, but that's a bad read play right there. I just I, I watched the team play, and it was played at about 60% the pace of the game in Calgary. They allowed Edmonton to dictate the pace of that game, which is unforgivable. Back to Panarin, though. What, what do you do if, if you're Tortorella? We, we drifted off there to the whole number. We're spreading blame. I think there's direct blame to go right there. This guy's been the offensive catalyst of this team. And what do you do if you're, if you're Tortorella? Do you pull him off the top line as you have other players? What do you do with Pierre-Luc Dubois, who has to score? But for me, it's, it, Panarin has been the playmaker on that line. And has, he, he's the guy that drives that whole line. And he's not driving jack shit since the trade deadline. I, I just don't know what to do. No, it's, again, I, I, yeah, yeah, I think it's time to break up the line. It looked, it looked like they were they did that a little bit at stretches last night in the game. They took Panarin off the top line and had him playing with the, the Zingle. Or I'm sorry, Zingle moved up to the top line, right, Allison? Yeah. Uh, a little, he, for a little stretch last night. Yeah, I'm First, pulling up. Yeah. They basically they basically flipped Panarin and the Zingle for a, a, a little bit of the, the stretch of that game last night but i just again i don't know how you maybe constitute some of these lines but that the top line is just not working it's just it's and it hasn't been we're we're we're, we're kidding ourselves any of it those guys have necessarily been working and i'm not blaming anyone individual although if i would agree with Aaron, if you're starting somewhere you start with panarin but it's just the line is not working and tortorella has has shown more than enough patience yes. with it yeah, you could argue. Uh, and then now, yeah, the challenge becomes okay with your resources of, of what they are. How do you find two scoring lines again, which they had not too long ago, but they don't have it anymore. And it's uh, it's really again four goals in three games at a time where you you've got to you've got to find a way to score. I mean, and, yeah. and, uh, you know, again we. I, we, I texted you guys this the other night. I was a little, a little joking, but I, it's kind of serious. Is I think it's now it's Tampa or bust almost at this point. Well, I mean, honestly, as strange as awful as last night was, it hurt their playoff chances. It didn't change anything with respect to them getting the number, the first wild card. Carolina lost two, uh, so they're still what are they? Three points back of Carolina for the Correct. first wild card. Yep. But I, the bigger issue is just, the, I mean, here here it is at game 74, and this team has played probably five or six, that's embarrassing to say, five or six really good games this year where you say, that's the Blue Jackets. That's the team that they have anticipated. They've maybe played a couple after the trade deadline, maybe one where you went, ooh, okay, that's impressive. Pittsburgh game is one. The Boston game, for sure. Um they have not sustained anything this year. They've not had a stretch 
like they had eight games left. They've not had an eight game stretch this year where you say that's the team that they envision themselves being. So at this point, I you know it seems almost foolish or or recklessly optimistic to think that now it's going to to happen. This thing looks like it's going to be a struggle uh, to the very end. Uh, I want to get to this. Um, you know, first things first for any player, uh, and you know Nick Felina would not be away from this team unless it's a, a, a quite serious situation on the home front. Certainly wish him uh, all the best, and, and he should be allowed to take all the time he needs uh, because anything with your family is more important than anything with your hockey team. Um, but how much do you think this team has missed him? Um, I'm, I'm not sure that he's the type that would be confronting Artemi Panarin uh, three, he's been gone three games now. I don't know if that would have played out at any point. Um, I'm not sure if he would be lighting up Pierre-Luc Dubois. I don't even know if Pierre-Luc Dubois needs that right now. Um, but how much How much is this team missing its captain, uh, Nick Foligno? Allison? Gosh, it's it's an interesting question, and it bleeds into what we were what we've been talking about this whole show, which is there's a tactical answer, and then there's a leadership answer, right? So... I mean, I think what we just touched on with the lines, it, it, it remains just so compelling to me how significant the absence of one of their top nine players completely jumbles things, right? And, and that's not to say that Nick Foligno would have come in and scored eight goals, um, but we were talking about Boone Jenner. We were talking about you know, different players in different combinations. Him not being here matters in that sense. Um, it makes things more jumbly, uh, to use my favorite non-technical term. From, from a leadership perspective, it's a curious one for me because I, that thought did cross my mind last night. Is, is this the voice that is needed to, to circle the wagons? Is, is this part of what's missing? But you have other players in that room who have been chosen and selected to wear a letter for this team. Um, and right or wrong, if your captain is, is missing, even if you're not one who maybe isn't known to be more vocal, your job is to step into that role, um, particularly when you've been appointed as such, that that is in fact part of your job. Um, so so I'm, I'm torn because I think that his, his voice is probably missing and would be valuable, but we shouldn't think it should be too valuable, again, if this is a team that that is what what they want to be, if that makes sense. Yeah. And, and let's be honest, they've had games like last night with Nick Foligno. Absolutely. Um, I, I just, I keep coming back as walking back from the rink last night and I'm thinking, geez, what could this be? Are they just paralyzed by the pressure right now? Um, do they not care enough? Do they not understand the the, the pace that these games require as Tortorella said last night? And then I just kept coming back to the to the answer. They're all professional hockey players. Exactly. None, it doesn't really matter what those reasons are. Their job is to they're paid handsomely to perform. And this team is not performing. Tom, any thoughts on them and the absence of Felino having a, an effect on those these last couple of games? Well, I do think Allison summed it up pretty well as far as the leadership standpoint. And when we go back to the, talking about the Jenner situation. I think at times when things are going well, and we know that I think I'm pretty sure 
correct me if I'm wrong, they had already taken Anderson off that line, correct? Correct. They had moved yeah, Anderson. Right. But 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 my point there, in the course of a game, that was always an option. When when things weren't working, you know, they that was their default line. He would he could always go back to that line, and he hasn't been able to do that in the last couple games. Now again, the Calgary game, they they did have some chances. They hit some again some posts and a crossbar in there, but. Um, that they haven't been able to do that because Felino's not there. Uh, I think it hurts a little bit, but again, um, when you're not creating anything, I mean, this game to me looked a lot. The game last night reminded me a lot of the game against the Islanders, although with fewer shots. Just you know, they didn't get anything inside, and we can say why the lack of again going back to the lack of effort thing. I, I just don't see how. Guys that give effort in certain games, why they wouldn't give an effort in a game like last night. It certainly couldn't have been they thought that, oh, Edmonton's a pushover after they got their asses handed to them at home by this team a couple weeks ago. Uh, um, they, I think what happened, part of it was they were, I don't know how this is the right word, or maybe this is lending to your guys' argument, but almost content to be 1-1 and hoping they were going to win it in the third, and they make the big mistake on the four on two rush and then the game gets away from them. I, I don't know. It's I'm not, I'm not absolutely saying you guys are wrong on the effort thing. I, I, I don't, I'm just trying to argue my point, not saying that you guys are wrong. I just, again, all of these games have been important. So why effort is there one night and it's not there in the other nights. I, I, I have a hard time seeing that. What I do can continually see down the stretch is a team that can't score. Well, as, as I've noted for a couple of years with this group of players, they have the unusual ability to um, freak out when the <laughs> when the 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 um, weight of a game is substantial and they have the incredible ability to just chill out and, and not have a huge sense of urgency, my opinion. When they think everything is under control, yeah. and I, why would they think of that last night? I have no freaking clue. Unless they thought this was going to be an easy game. Oh, there's I, no way. But I don't, I don't, I don't remember watching the Islanders game at all and thinking, "Oh, this team doesn't give a damn." I, I thought that team gave a damn that night. Um, it was not that way for me last night. Allison, what were you going to say? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think back to you know, uh, Tom and I are obviously still in Ohio and. Um, we had the opportunity. I don't know how much you were actually able to see Aaron, but watching Carolina, Tampa Bay and Carolina goes up and, and, you know, we were all saying, well, I mean, Tampa Bay is coming off that ridiculously demanding game in Washington the night before this is, they're just going to lose this game. And Tampa Bay said, no, we're going to fight back and we're going to command this game. And if you listen to the way that team talks, the cream of the league this season I mean, they, they had the President's Trophy, what, last week? And they're, they're right. coming out with post-game quotes saying, it is our job to prove how freaking good we are every single game. Yeah. And, you know, that, that, that is the kind of attitude that I mentioned earlier that I had thought this team would come out with, particularly against a team, as I said, that embarrassed them at home. And it's just – it's – I think the last time we saw this was the big 16 game winning streak, right? Where it was just like, we're going to come out, we're going to beat you, we're going to win. 
and machine. And and to me, that's effort might be maybe effort is part and parcel with that. It's not just pure effort, but it's that it's that drive. And like you say, I mean, I sat thinking about this too. I can't reconcile because I know these are athletes who are mentally tough, who have been trained to be so, who are physically way more gifted than I could even imagine to be. But this breakdown is just, I can't, I cannot put my arms around it at all. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, hard to argue, hard to argue. I, if, if they would have, I, for me, it's not even, it should be, it always is in pro sports about wins and losses. It's not really even about wins and losses for me. It's about it, did this team empty the tank every night? And I don't think they came close to emptying the tank. I think they didn't Calgary. I don't think they came close to it last night. Um, anything else we need to get to? Uh, Tom, anything to add? No, I think I think we uh, covered it pretty well. Um, I would always, as always, encourage people to read Allison's post. The uh, it wasn't it was MythBusters, right? MythBusters. Yes. MythBusters on the on the shots and unluckiness, and she breaks down that goes into a great detail to break down that. And uh, you know, obviously, read Aaron's posts today with the uh, off the gamer and uh, yeah, and uh, and then of course. I can't remember. Did we cover the we covered the Elvis saga last time, right? That, that, that's, uh, all, that's all been changed. Covered. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, how about Sergey Bobrovsky? Can you give us an update, Aaron, on Sergey Bobrovsky? That's uh, one thing we did not discuss. Nick, I'm sorry, Nick. Yeah, Nick. <laughs> no, that's all we got. He's, he's Nick. Now it's weird because he was he finished the game in Calgary. Uh, they did not practice on Wednesday, so I don't know where he got nicked. I don't know if something came up after the game. That does happen sometimes. Sure. Uh, that's why Corpus Allo started last night. Real quickly on Merzlikens, because I do think that changed Wednesday. Yes. Um, you probably have read the story by now. If not, it, it, go look for it. It's there. Um, you know, it's uh, he is not going to go play in Cleveland. He wants to burn his uh, entry-level deal this year. So that he can sign a one-way NHL deal for next season and beyond. So the Blue Jackets now have four goaltenders on the roster. They will have four goaltenders in person uh, come Monday or Tuesday when he arrives in in uh, Columbus. The organization wanted and planned for him to go to Cleveland to finish the season on a PTO, uh, but if he did that, his entry-level deal would push to next season. Uh, which would make it, a, it's a two-way, an entry-level deal is a, is a two-way provision. They all do. So that would have given the Blue Jackets the right to send him to Cleveland next year. Uh, and Elvis was like, mm, I'm not leaving my sweet perch in Lugano uh, to come here and ride an AHL bus until you think I'm ready. I'm an NHL goaltender. If you want me, here's the deal. And the team uh, has signed him. So I've been told they've already started working on a follow-up deal. Uh, I don't know what that's going to look like one year or two years. I don't think it's going to be a long commitment because, again, they're not going to get a look at this guy, most likely in North America, uh, in the smaller rinks until uh, training camp next year. Now, having said that, what's up with Bob? And if Bob's hurt and if the other two guys, Kincaid and Corpusalo, um, are not uh, firing, if, if – they end up playing a few games here without Bob, then maybe old Elvis isn't done for the season just yet. Another question that I have, and I don't want to get into it here because it, it's it's too long. Maybe it's a better one for Tuesdays. Is if you are committed to Elvis and your contract says you are, does he not leap Kincaid on the depth chart immediately? 
Um, I think that's worth worth debating. You, you can't go through. You can't sign him and then say, you know, hell with this guy. What an arrogant prick to think he's ready for the NHL. If that's how you feel. You're not signing him to that contract. You're not agreeing to those terms. So there's some drama at the goaltending position because what's new in Columbus? Uh, so there it is. Look for that story. There's there's um, lots of comments, lots of feedback there. This this guy is going to be a really interesting player in Columbus. A talented guy, no doubt. Um, well, thanks for listening. Thanks for reading. Thanks for watching. And we will talk to you on the other side. Thanks so much. 